This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We're finishing that, and we're going to look at the very last verses uh, in chapter 7. And here's what we're trying to find. What is the hookup to have a really great life? I mean, everybody in this room wants to have a great life. Nobody wants to live their life messed up, broken, and destroyed. Everybody wants to live a great life. But what is, what is the key to that? What's the secret to a great life? Now, here's something I thought about this week is that one of the problems in chasing a great life is that the needle is always moving, isn't it? Because when you're a teenager, a great life sounds like a car and a credit card and no curfew. I heard that over here. That's your daughter, Joey, over here. But when you become 30 or 40, you know, it's a different concept, what, what a great life would mean. Or maybe when you get to retirement age, it might mean something else. I mean, you, for, some, for some, it might just be able to get up out of the bed in the morning. What's a great life? How do you get there? See, I think that Jesus unlocks that in this passage. He unlocks the, the idea of how do you get to a great life. And it's not as complex as it might seem. Because we, we, we tend to make it complex, but it's not. So open your Bible and stand up one more time. I know we've had you standing a lot today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It'll be on the screen so that you can follow Anyone who listens, everybody say listens. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, everybody say follows. Who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Verse 26. But anyone who hears, say hears. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, say doesn't obey. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come, the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in this room by the Holy Spirit, you have been preparing this house this morning for what's about to be said. Let our ears be open. Let our hearts be sensitive. God, may there be a tender heart in every seat today. I think you're talking to us. I think you're saying something very personal and very provoking to most of us in this room today. And help us receive with a spirit of humility. In the name of Jesus, amen. And you may be seated. Here's what I know. I know that God wants you to have a great life. I know it. I know it because he said it in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. 
But I came that you might have a rich and satisfying life. But if you think about it, you ask yourself, what in fact is a rich and satisfying life? Well, I can tell you some things it's not. It's not wealth. Because some of the most miserable people in the world have money, lots of money. Money doesn't seem to be able to bring satisfaction. It may bring some things to you, but it's not the full and the rich and satisfying life that Jesus came to give you. It's not fame. It's not the abundance of things either. Jesus said in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, in uh, uh, chapter 12, he said, Beware of greed because your life is not measured by how much you own. Just, just having stuff, just accumulating things does not in any way guarantee that you're going to have a great life. And it's an endless list, isn't it? Because if you think about it, you could just go down almost any tributary here. For some people, they think a great life would be a new wife or a new husband, a new family, a new job, sexual exploitation, addiction to be able to... Freedom! And yet none of these guarantee you that you're going to have a great life. In fact, the more that I've read this, and I've read this passage over and over and over for the past three or four months, it's so very clear to me that it's right in front of you. In the passage that I read, the key to a great life is right there. Did you get it? Jesus said there's only two things that you need to have a great life. The ability to listen and the ability to follow. And if you can do those two things with your life, Jesus said you're going to have a great life. You're going to have a satisfying and fulfilling life. If you get two things right, listen and follow. Let's look at those a second. The first one is listen. Now there once was a young woman who could not have a child. And she prayed for the Lord to give her a child. And she promised the Lord that if he would give her a child, that she would give him back to the Lord. And the Lord allowed her to have a son, and she named that son Samuel. And when he was old enough, she took him back to the temple. And there he served alongside the priest of the temple, a man by the name of Eli. And day after day after day, he worked beside Eli. And one night when he lays down to sleep, just before he goes to sleep, he hears a voice saying, Samuel, Samuel. The Bible said that he got up and he went to Eli and he said, what do you want? And Eli said, I didn't call for you. Go lay down. He lays down again and when he lays down, he hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he gets up and he goes a second time and he says to Eli, and it, when it happened the third time, the Bible says Eli discerned that it was the Lord that was speaking to Samuel. And he says to the boy, you go back and lay down and the next time you hear that voice, here's what you say. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And that night, God gave Samuel the prophecy of the destruction of Eli's house. Because of their sinfulness. 
Now, there's two things in that story that I need you to get a hold of. The first thing that I need you to get a hold of is that Eli did not have the training to hear and understand, not had the training to recognize the voice of God. All of his time, his ear had been trained to hear the voice of Eli. So the first thing when he heard that voice, he assumes it is what he has been trained to hear all of his life. The second thing I need you to get your mind wrapped around is that there has to be an Eli in Samuel's life to teach him how to listen to the voice of God. Somebody who can help you to know that that's the voice of God that you're hearing. And as I've been thinking about this, my prayer, my heart has been aching that God would raise up a generation of Samuels who will hear the voice of the Lord. In fact, I pray while I'm speaking this morning that right here, with these kids right here, they will hear the voice of the Lord. That God's voice will speak to them. That right back here, there will be people that will hear the voice of the Lord. But if they don't know how to respond, if nobody has ever taught them, if nobody's ever helped them, Nobody's ever told them how to respond. What they need is Eli. And I say, God, give me a church full of Eli's who are coming alongside a new generation to say, this is the voice of the Lord. Because the problem is that you and I are not listening enough to the Lord. We're not listening enough to the Lord these days. Now, I don't want to make anybody mad, but I'm going to tell you who we're listening to. We're listening to people that don't live right. We're listening to people who don't have integrity. We're listening to the devil. We're listening to people that don't know God. And we're not listening to the voice of God. We're not hearing the voice of God. Think about this a moment. This is so exciting to me. Think about this a moment. With four words, four words, let there be light. God created a hundred galaxies. What would happen if he spoke something into your heart this morning? What if you were listening right now and saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak into my heart right now. What would happen in your life if God truly spoke and you were listening to what he was saying? You and I have to learn how to recognize the voice of the Lord. Because every day, listen to me, every day of your life, God is trying to talk to you. Not just on Sunday. When you get up to go to work in the morning, he's trying to get your attention. When you're on your lunch break, he's trying to get your attention. When you go to school in a couple of weeks, the Lord's trying to talk to you. He's trying to say something to you. He wants you to have a great life. He wants you to meet the right boy, the right girl. He wants you to pick the right college. He wants you to marry the right person. He wants you to pick the right job. He wants to help you have a great life. But you have to listen. You have to be able to listen to the voice of the Lord. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. When we truly, genuinely love the Lord. You see, there's nothing in the world that is wilder. Think about this now. Nothing in the world that's wilder or more wonderful than the human capacity to hear God's voice. A God who knows all seven, plus, seven billion plus people on the face of the earth. And he's talking to you.
A God, a God who knows every star in the heavens and calls them by their name. And he's talking to you. There's nothing wilder than that. that to think about the fact that God would talk to me. That God wants to speak to me. Now listen, let me stop long enough here to say on the back side of that, there is nothing more exhausting or frustrating or disappointing for somebody to try to use God to tell you something that God did not actually say. So I preached in a large church in the southeast one night and I was, I mean, I was wasted. And this woman walked up to me and she said, I have a word from the Lord for you. That has happened quite frequently in my life. And I said, okay. She said, I need to tell you about a dream that God gave me concerning you and me. I said, stop. I went over and I grabbed an usher and I said, I need you to come here. He came over. He said, what can I help you with? I said, I want you to stand right here while this woman's about to tell me something. I said, all right, now tell me about what you, what you say is from the Lord. She said, I had a dream that you and your wife were sitting in church in front of me and my, my husband. And during a praise and worship set, you reached into your briefcase, pulled out a large butcher knife, turned around, stabbed my husband in the heart, and he died. I said, okay, first of all, that's not a word from the Lord. And second of all, woman, you're crazy because I don't even know who you are. I don't even know your husband. See, every person that tells you they have a word from the Lord doesn't necessarily mean they have a word from the Lord. And God is not the author of confusion. And at a later time, I'll tell you how I believe you can discern whether it is a word from the Lord or not. If you have questions, I'll be glad to answer. But here's my point. I want you to understand that God is speaking. That God is talking to you. And that you have to train yourself. You have to be intentional to listen to the voice of the Lord. How many... How many different ways can God talk to you? Well, first of all, He can talk to you out of the Bible. I told you this, this week, didn't I, Izzy? That's how God talks to you right there. You want God to speak? Open up your Bible. Start reading what God said. That's God talking to you right there. God speaks in dreams. God speaks through other people. God speaks to you while you're praying. God speaks to us through the gifts of the Spirit. And it, it, He even speaks to us through nature. The things that we see, God uses the visual, uh, 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 the, the visual things that we observe. Sometimes God speaks to us through nature. God will use whatever it takes. To talk to you. The question is, are you going to listen? Those who truly, get this, those who truly belong to God, belong to Jesus, people who truly belong to Jesus will be noted by two things. They will be noted by their ability to communicate with God and by their willingness to follow Him. Here's the second word. Listen. And follow. You want to have a great life? Follow. Notice what Jesus said. 
Jesus said, those who hear what I'm saying and will follow it. Those who hear what I'm telling them and will do it. Those people are wise people. There is hardly anything in the world, absolutely nothing that matters to God more than your obedience. I'll say that again. There is absolutely nothing that matters to God as much as your obedience. Remember what Pastor Dustin preached last week? Just a verse or two before this. Not everyone that calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father. What God is looking for is people that will hear His voice and then do it. In 2017, at the start of that year, I decided that I would read my Bible, which I always try to read the Bible through in the year, but in 2017, I decided I would read my Bible and I would mark everything in my Bible that dealt with obedience. Well, guess what? The whole Bible's about obedience. Almost every page, nearly every verse. Everything Jesus said, everything that goes on, all of it is about obedience. All of it is about God trying to get you and I to follow Him. To do His will. It seems like sometimes in my life, maybe in your life, we're trying to get God to follow us. This is what I want. This is what I want you to do, God. I need you to get on board with the plan. It's not the way it works. God said, if you want to have a great life, you have to do what I tell you to do. So after I had spent that year reading that, I co-authored a book with my son that I entitled, I Want What God Wants. And I was so convicted about it. As I prayed about that, the Lord revealed to me in my time of prayer that one of my problems is I don't pray that way. I don't pray I want what God wants. I pray, God, I know what I want. God, what I want you to do, what I need you to do. And I need you to do that for me. I'd be awfully thankful to you. And then if we feel guilty about praying such a prayer, you know how we end it? We'll give you all the glory. As if we're saying, God, you do what I want you to do and I'll let the glory go to you. How sad is that? But it's the way we pray. In fact, if you're not careful, a lot of your prayer time is about yourself. About what you want. About what you think God should do. About what you're afraid of. And not much of our praying is saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want my life to be? What do you want me to spend my time doing? What career do you want for me? See, we buy into this idea that God doesn't care. Just do whatever you want to do. Not so. Not so. A disciple of Jesus Christ is always mindful that his, his life is not about him, not about you. It's about God at work through you. To accomplish the purpose of God, 
through your life. It's what you did when you got saved, right? Remember that? You said, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I surrender my life to you. I give you my... You gave him your life. You gave him and said, you take my life. And you use it. And God took you at your word. And the way to a great life is the life of obedience. Surrender. And yet it is one of the most difficult things. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't even ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody in the room. But I'm telling you, we all struggle with it. No matter how long you have served the Lord, no matter whether you're a new believer or you've been serving the Lord your whole life, you're always in this tension between what God wants and what you want. And we fight against God. We think that we know best. In fact, I'll tell you what I find a lot of times is that people think God doesn't know what He's doing. What do you mean you want me to do that? That doesn't make sense. And we, we struggle to believe that God's way, in fact, is the best way. And so we rush out on our own and then totally mess up things and bring our bleeding, broken body and say, God, I royally messed up. Now what do I do? It's like we get to the stop sign in life. And God says, I want you to turn left. And we say, oh God, I don't want to go left. All my friends are going right. The party's down here at the right. The good times are down the right. You hear that music? See those lights? That's where life is at. I want to go right. God says, you don't want to go right. It's not going to go well. You need to go left. No, God, I want to go right. Please. I want to go right. And God says, okay. Go right. It won't work out for you, but go ahead. We get down there and we get all messed up. We get to the next stop sign and guess who's there? Jesus. He's like, you ready to go right? You ready to go left now? Because he's so patient with us, isn't he? He's so merciful. And he knows that we struggle. He put in us this incredible will and desire and we fight against our own self. Paul talked about this, this fight of the flesh that we have because we want our way. We want it our way. We want our kids to do what we want them to do. We want our family to be the way that we want it to be. And we don't often say, Lord, what do you want for my family? I'll never forget one night I was sitting in a church service and I was a guest speaker. And some of you are old enough to remember when we used to take prayer requests openly. And, and, and the guy said, you know, is there anybody here that's got a request? This woman raised her hand and she said, and I don't remember the exact name, so I'm just going to make up two names. She said, I'd like for us to pray for Bob and Sally. You know, they, they are trying to sell their house, and, and they can't sell it. And we just need to pray that God will bring a buyer, and the house will be sold, and they can move on to the house that they really want to live in. And we all said, yeah, yeah, pray for Bob and Sally. We started praying, and I'll never forget, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, the reason Bob and Sally's house won't sell is I don't want them leaving that neighborhood yet. You see, life is not about what we want. It's about what God wants. Maybe God kept you in that neighborhood or on that job. You thought you were going to get a promotion, but it didn't happen. Somebody else got it. You got mad and you failed to appreciate that maybe God kept you there because he's got something better for you. 
And we struggle with this idea of saying yes to God. Yes to God's will. Yes to God's way. We struggle because we don't really trust God. That He knows the right way. When was the last time you prayed that prayer? I want what God wants. I want what God wants for my kids. I remember talking to a pastor not too long ago. You know, I talk to a lot of pastors. I coach with a lot of pastors. And this pastor called for a session, and he's all bent out of shape. I said, well, what is it that's causing you the most trouble? And he said, well, my daughter and her husband, they they got all excited, and they've gotten fired up for the Lord, and now the Lord called them to go to England as missionaries. It ticks me off. Because they're taking my grandkids and they're going to England. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Did you ever dedicate that daughter to the Lord? Yeah. yeah. Well, in that dedication somewhere along there, you said, Lord, she belongs to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want for her life. Yeah, yeah. I said, God's taking you at your word. He wants them in England. You got to deal with it. Is it what we want? Not necessarily. But if it's God's will... We have to be willing to surrender and say yes to God's will. And if you think I'm trying to convey this as it being easy, I'm not. But I am telling you it is so critically important that I could not walk away from this series without walking up here this morning and reminding you that what God wants most from you is not your money and not your talent and not your reputation. He wants your obedience. He wants you to surrender yourself in a way that says, God, no longer will I chase my own dream. I'll chase the dreams that you have for me. King Saul was never the same after he disobeyed the Lord concerning the instructions of God through Samuel for the the sacrifice. He became eventually a man who chased demon spirits because he was estranged from God because he refused to obey the command of the Lord. Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army I talked about a couple weeks ago, he never gets healed if he's not willing to be obedient and surrendered to the command to dip seven times in the Jordan River. If you want to have a great life, now listen to me, I'm about done. If you want to have a great life, you have to learn how to obey. You see, your life is messed up right now Because you're not obeying the Lord. You can blame it on a dozen things, but you're not obeying the Lord. And because you're not obeying the Lord, you're all messed up. Some of you have talent to sing and play, but you're not obeying the Lord with your talent. Some of you, your finances are a mess, but you're not obeying the Lord. God said, bring your tithe to the storehouse and I'll bless you. But you can't trust God enough. And so you're trying to manage it on your own. And guess what? God's not blessing you. Your child is in rebellion. And you don't understand why. It's because you have not obeyed the Lord concerning the environments of your home. You have to learn how to obey. This passage demands, listen, it demands a radical countercultural decision that says... We will build our lives on what Jesus has said and that we should do or be. And we will do it regardless of opinions and practice. 
what would happen this morning. Listen very carefully. What would happen if you took this posture? I don't care what my friends say, and I don't care what my friends do. I will not have sex before marriage. I don't care what people think, but I will stop dishonoring my parents with my actions and my mouth. I will obey the Lord. No matter what anybody says to me, I will love my enemies. I choose to live by the word of God and not by my own desire. See, all of that is stuff that we've been preaching for 10 weeks. The things that Jesus said were countercultural to all that's going on around you. See, listen. And, and I, I want to be so careful. I've asked the Lord to, to guard over me, to not say the wrong thing. But here's what I'm telling you about where we are in America. We have elevated self-expression to a virtue. We have made self-expression our idol and we worship at it. It sounds a little bit like this. It says, it's my body. I get to do whatever I choose to do with my body. Regardless of what God's word says. See, that's elevating self-expression to an idol that puts self above what God has called. If I want to live with my girlfriend or boyfriend before marriage, that's my choice. We're not hurting anybody. I don't care what the Bible says. If I want to choose an identity that's different from the one that God chose for me, then who are you to deny me the right to express myself? You see, self-expression has become our idol. Instead of saying, Lord, what do you want? We say, this is what I want. I get the right to choose my own way. And the Bible reminds us in the book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. My God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now. I'm telling you this morning, you cannot live by what's inside of you. You have to live by what God's Word has said. You have to learn how to listen and follow the Word of the Lord. If you want to have a great life, come on, Jerome. You may feel the Lord. If you want to have a great life, you have to start saying yes to Jesus. You've got to start saying yes to Jesus. You ever thought about what would happen if everybody in Lake Erie Church said an unreserved yes to the voice of God? See, if I'm honest, I worry that we are raising up a generation, and some of you are sitting right here this morning. You compartmentalize your faith so that it doesn't affect anything else. You live out here Monday through Saturday, and then you come in here and pick up this piece of your life. I'm saying with as much compassion as I can, God won't have it. Those are the people that Dustin preached about Sunday, last Sunday. They will come to him and they will say, well, wait a minute here. Have you seen my tithing record? Have you seen my church attendance record? You see how many times I gave out 
water to the thirsty? And Jesus said, yeah, I did. But I don't know you. I don't know you. You've never followed me. You've never done me. You've always done you. What would happen if every believer in this church said yes to the voice of God? What would happen if every believer in Madison, every believer in Lake County, every believer in the state of Ohio were simply to start surrendering to the yes? Wasn't there an old song, Jerome, years ago? Yes to his will, yes to his way, something, maybe an old spiritual. I never could find the week, but I remember as a boy we used to sing that. I will say yes to his will and to his way. What would happen if you and I started living the countercultural life that is driven by this insatiable desire to please God first? God's not trying to keep you from having fun. God's not trying to keep you from making money. God's not even trying to keep you from being famous. He just wants you to put Him first. There are people in this world who have made tons and tons of money, but they put God first. And God has blessed them. There are people with notoriety out there, but they've decided that he comes first. And then God has used their surrender to elevate. The Bible said that God resists the proud, but he elevates humble people. What would it, what, in, what if every believer in the world simply would say to God, whatever you want me to do? Peter Craig says this, if that were true. This is what he writes. If that were true, generations of bitterness could be broken as long-awaited apologies would finally be offered. There would be a global outbreak of reconciliation between warring spouses, neighbors, and even churches. If that were true, suddenly vast amounts of money would inexplicably be given to the poor. If that were true, by the law of averages, millions would turn to Christ if believers simply obeyed the Lord's command and decided that they would share the gospel with just four people in their lifetime. Every person on the face of the earth would hear the story of Jesus. What's keeping you from saying yes? Is it your tradition? Is it your pain? I spoke to a group of ministers and their wives in Minnesota not too long ago. And I was telling them how I came to write the book, I Want What God Wants. And I said, I want you to pray this prayer. I want what God wants. And a woman walked up to me and she said, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I can't pray that prayer. I said, why? She said, because I did that one time and God took my little girl from me with cancer. I said, man, I'm so sorry. Maybe, maybe for you, prayer would be, Lord, help me want what you want. Is it a trust issue for you? Do you honestly believe God doesn't want the best life for you? 
do you struggle to believe that God's plans for your life are the best plans? Because all God's waiting for is for you to say and live out, I trust you. I say yes. I don't know what that means. Because when I was a five-year-old boy in my grandfather's church, I knelt in the altar there. And I prayed a prayer with my mom. And she said, hey, buddy, tell God yes. Now, at five, I didn't know what that meant. But God did. It meant decades later I'd be standing here on Hubbard Road telling you the best decision you could make is to say yes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to take your right hand and I want you to place it over your heart. Please, right hand over your heart. And I want you to take your left hand and in some way just kind of point it toward heaven. You don't have to raise it up high, but just open it up in some way and point it toward the Lord. I don't care how you say it. I don't care how you do it. But I want you to sincerely say to God, God, I want what you want. In your own way, you can say it out loud. You can say it quietly under your breath. It doesn't matter. He'll hear you. But if you sincerely are willing to do that this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you just to pray that prayer. Lord, I want what you want. And then I'm just going to ask you to go on. I want what you want for my marriage. I want what you want for my health. I don't know how this cancer is going to turn out, but I'm okay with whatever you want. I don't know how this high blood pressure issue is going to be, but I, I, I'm okay with what you want. I want what you want for my house. I worry over my children. I worry over our family. But I'm, I'm releasing that this morning. I want what you want for my kids. And if that means that that plan is a different plan than the one that I chose, I'm good with that. Give me the strength. Help me. Help me, Lord, today to have the strength to release that to you. God, I want what you want for our finances. I want our finances to be blessed. I want to be obedient to you with our finances. Maybe some of you are struggling because the plan that you thought you had is not working out. Maybe you need to say, God, I don't want to chase my plans anymore. I want what you want for Maybe I thought I'd be married by now and Mr. Wright hasn't shown up. But, but God, I'm okay by trusting you for the future. I thought I'd be having children by now, Lord, and it hasn't happened. And I don't know why and I, I worry about it. But Lord, I, I want what you want. I don't know if I'm on the right track with my career, but God, I want what you want. I, I clearly and completely, listen, trust me, I completely,
completely understand how hard this prayer can be. So with your right hand over your heart, your left hand pointed toward the Lord, right now where you sit, you and God, tell Him, I want what you want. (laughs) Whatever that is, whatever that means, however that plays out, I don't understand where I'm at. I don't understand why I'm feeling the way I am. I don't understand. But I'm okay. Because I want what God wants. I want what God wants for me. I want what God wants for my life. I want to live a great life. I want to make a contribution to the world. But I know the only way to do that. Is to surrender myself completely and totally to God's plan. So God crush all the fear and anxiety that I might experience. Give me eyes to see the things I cannot see without your help. And make me bold and courageous by your spirit. To walk in obedience because God I want the great life I want want the great life I can't get there without you I'll never be the man the woman I'll never be the person that I'm supposed to be without your help pray that prayer one more time I want what God wants. I want what God wants. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.